sales is all about know, like, and trust. And people want to do business with those that they know, they like, and they trust. So we got to make sure that our reputation matches that. So don't jeopardize your reputation by trying to make a quick sale or a quick buck. Know that your integrity as a business, as a human being, is more important. The biblical sales principles and what you're learning here, even as an entrepreneur, is of integrity. The King's Council helps you discover, develop, and deploy your God-given talents. Now, our vision is to get you on the right path to your framework of success by focusing on the five power pillars, spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, and financial. Now, the King's Council is not your average coaching program. It's much more than that. It's a tribe of like-mindsetted men and women bonded by faith and relationship that you can do life with. Now, we're traveling across the United States this summer to a city near you, and we want you to join us in creating the next wave of faith-based entrepreneurs ready to become the CEOs of their life. Visit kingscouncilcoaching.com today to speak to one of our team members about how you can level up in all areas of your life today. This episode is brought to you by Gospel Canvas. Gospel Canvas is reimagining Christian art for today's generation of Christians. Their exclusive collections are custom, unique, and a beautiful reminder of the power of salvation and hope. Now, these pieces will brighten up any space and add high character and motivation that you can see, touch, and experience on a daily basis. Visit gospelcanvas.com today and use the promo code KING15 to get 15% off your purchase at checkout. That's gospelcanvas.com using the promo code KING15. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Council Podcast. I'm your host, Riley Meek, and today we are going to dive into the topic of sales right? Doesn't everybody love to talk about sales? This is one of my favorite topics. I love talking about just this, this preconceived notion of what, what people think sales actually is really based upon probably experiences that they've had or how movies portray salesmen, saleswomen of the type. So I want to kind of debunk this thought process or this idea of what sales actually is, okay? Because we are all in sales, You're in sales. I don't care what business that you are in. You could be a stay-at-home dad. You could be a person in IT. You could be a mailman. At the end of the day, you are in sales. Walk with me on this, guys, because think about it. Any relationship that you have, you're in sales. If you are married, you're like, I'm selling my wife every day on why she shouldn't leave me. If you're a boss, if you're a leader, you're in sales. If you're a parent, you're in sales. You want to influence your kids' decisions to lead them up in the way that they should go, right? In the Bible, no different than anything that we coach and teach within the King's Council, the Bible is our template. It's our template for how we do everything. And it isn't just a book that tells us how we should just live, but it tells us how we should run our businesses. 
It contains a lot of biblical sales principles that actually work. That's what we're going to dive into here today, guys. So think of it this way. Jesus, I mean, he was in sales. And some of you may be going, what? Jesus, he wasn't a salesman. Absolutely was. We give Jesus the title of Savior, Lord, Messiah, friend, but nobody would think of him as like a salesman. But follow me on this, guys, because I can't help when I read through the word, I can't help but see Jesus as like the ultimate salesman. He sold something that people needed. Certainly they needed it. But at first they didn't even know that they they wanted it, let alone needed it. And here's one of the most important takeaways from Jesus and, and how he brought the good news is that he wasn't selling a product or even a service. He was selling himself. And that's what sales, at the core of what sales, no matter what your product or your service is, you got to sell yourself first. He had to convince the 12 initially that he was the Messiah. And then from there, he taught them how to go forth and replicate it, which is still happening today. So as we dive into this, I want to make sure that we understand like what sales actually means. And if any of you have been following me or have listened to some of our past teachings, we know that the root word of sales, actually it's a Norwegian root word, and the word is selje, S-E-L-J-E, selje. And that literally means to serve. So if we can change our thought process of what sales actually is, most people see it as that kind of that four-letter word that you know doesn't have a, a good persona to it. We think of the slick car salesman guy or somebody you know, knocking on your door trying to sell you something that you don't want, right? But at the core of it, if we can wrap our brains around this philosophy that to sell means to serve. And this is where I believe that many entrepreneurs are, they're just not comfortable selling because they have this idea that it's, it's negative, right? So they struggle to really do it well. And some see selling as, like I said, negative or maybe sleazy, but it doesn't have to be that way, especially if you're a Christian entrepreneur who follows biblical sales business principles. That's what we're going to dive through today. So I want to make sure that everybody has, has a good foundation here before we dive into, I've got six sales principles that I'm going to share with you guys here today, but we are called to sell. We are. As I mentioned before, you are a salesman, whether you think you are or not, you are called to sell because without sales, I would argue that you don't even have a business, right? It'd be more of a hobby. Sales is what keeps things going. The transfer of a product or a service for money, there's a value exchange that takes place there. That's what business actually is. And if we are called to give, which yes, we absolutely are, that's all over the Bible, but we don't have anything to give, how can we give? We are called to give. It actually, in Acts, it says that it is more blessed to give then receive. Or or freely I receive, so freely I can give. Like that's a philosophy that we live by in our household. But again, we can't give what we don't have. So how do we get? And when I think of this, when I was preparing for this message here, I thought of the rich young ruler. We've all, we've all kind of heard this story. And I want to actually just quickly read through this with you guys, and then we're going to break this thing down. So the, as the rich young ruler, this is in the, the book of Mark, it says, as he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do so that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony. 
do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I've kept all of these things from my youth. And looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said to him, there's one thing that you lack. Go and sell all that you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But he was deeply dismayed by these words and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. Now there's more to this that we'll probably come back to here, but I want to give a context of this, of what really was going on here. First off, this was a heart issue more than anything. That's absolutely what this is. This doesn't mean that that possessions are, are bad, but it's the heart, the disposition that we go about with these. And the rich young ruler did everything that he could, kept all the commandments, but there was this one thing that still had his heart, and that was his treasures. And one of the things Jesus said was to sell and give to the poor. He didn't just say give to the poor, right? He didn't just say take all that you have and give to the poor. I want to make sure that we got this. He said sell what you have and then give to the poor. The ruler in this, he wasn't serving God in this context. What he was doing, he was serving money. So God told him to sell and then give, which that is a version of having money serve you versus you serving money. Serve God and make money serve you. God's big on giving, absolutely. But again, I want to make sure that we understand we can't give anything that we don't have, right? Freely, God gives us everything. Everything that we have, everything that you have right now has been given to you from God, okay? And your pride and your ego may think, no, I did it on my own. I did it because of this. No, it's, it's God that gives us the ability to create wealth. He gives us that ability. Okay, so when we go back into to sales, I want you guys to understand that, that sales is a biblical principle. It's something that was done back then and still needs to be done today. Proverbs eleven twenty six actually says, the people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. Okay, the person that sells is blessed here. So if, if we're providing a, a, a product or a service, certainly it needs to be a good product or service, morally and ethically good, and people need it, Proverbs says that we're actually blessed when we sell it to them in a time of need. So we can take this and replace the word grain with whatever your product or service is. Okay, if you sell them something in a time of need, you are blessed. And you have just blessed that family in the time of need. Therefore, you are blessed as well. Right, so as you're listening, I want to ask you guys, do you have a business right now or a product or a service that you can sell something so that you can give? Do you have something right now? Have you put yourself in a position that you can sell so that you can give? And if you don't, like, let's start to think, how can we get creative? How can we start a business to sell something so that we can give? Again, this comes back to our, our heart, the disposition of our heart. And as a business, uh, really what a business does is it creates products or services to sell. And then if we sell them to people that need them, they're blessed and we are blessed. We are called to give and to sell. There's a season for everything. Yes, we want to give. It is more blessed to give than to receive, but it's also a blessing to sell. So Second Kings, it talks about the widow's olive oil. Okay, I'm going to run through this with you guys, and then we're going to dive into these six sales principles that I want you to take away from this. But I still want us to have this foundation or this understanding that it is a blessing to sell something right, to provide a product, a value, a service. 
to the public. So 2 Kings 4, the widow's olive oil. It says, the wife of a man from a company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, right? Your servant, my husband is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing, nothing there at all, except a small jar of olive oil. And Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all of the jars. As each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. She brought the jars in and she kept pouring. And when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's no jars left. And the oil stopped flowing. So she went and told the man, and he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. So let's, let's break this down quickly, guys. The creditor was coming. So she, she cried out to Elijah, help me. What am I going to do? The creditor's coming. Elijah didn't just give her money. He didn't just say, here you go. Like, uh, this will solve your problems. No. This is where he actually gave her an idea for a business. He said, what do you have? Like, what do you have? Do you have anything of value? Every single one of you listening to this has something of value. So let's think about that. What do you have? What type of idea do you have? And then he said, go and sell the oil, pay your debts. He didn't say, give it away. He said, sell your oil and pay your debts. Sell it to people who need it and you will be blessed. She didn't give it to them. She sold it to them. So yes, God created us to be givers, absolutely. That is in our spiritual DNA. But all scripture, and hear me on this, if we believe that all scripture is given by God, that's what 2 Timothy tells us. If we believe that, and if we believe the entire word of God, then we have to believe all scripture, the entire Bible. So we don't get to just pick and choose that it's, yes, it is more blessed to give than receive, but it is also blessed to sell. You are not doing anything negative selling your products or your services. Now, again, assuming it is of good moral and ethical value. I believe everybody that's listening to this has that motive within their heart. So there is a time to give. There's a time to sell. There's a season for everything. Okay, so as I said, I've got six sales lessons that I want us to be able to take away from this. Six of them. I'm going to run through these quickly. But how do we actually sell from a biblical standpoint that we know that God will bless, right? Or how do we take biblical principles and apply those in the world today? Okay, number one, listen more and talk less. A couple of scriptures just to kind of back this up is, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. That's Proverbs 18 to another Proverbs 10, 19. It says, when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. So the main goal of any sales cycle, any sales meeting that you're going through, the main goal is obviously to sell your product or your service. But how we go about that, how, how we approach that situation is certainly going to be the determinant of if somebody will actually make the decision to buy or not. There's a sales process here, okay? And in every sales cycle, it needs to be customer-focused. The, the absolute best way to achieve your goal is that we're focusing on the customer. 
Okay, a customer-focused experience, it, it really can only be achieved when you're listening to what your customer has to say effectively listening. I'm sure we've all experienced a salesman that's like just so adamant on expressing their opinion and, and they just don't shut up. They just, they want to get the sale. So they just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. He wants to give you his pitch, his sales speech. And he doesn't let us get a word in. Those are the most annoying people. If you sell like that, stop it. Don't forget the sales process. It's not about you. It's not about how much you know or how excellent you are. It is about your customer. So instead of focusing on what you have to say, your end goal needs to be focused on your customer's pain. And then how do we address that pain? How do we solve that problem? So effectively asking those questions and then ultimately listening. You got to truly listen to them. And that's going to allow you to address any objections. If you're just thinking, if you're asking a question and you're just thinking, what can I say next? What can I say next? You're not, first off, the customer is going to receive that and understand that you don't really care about them. So you've got to listen, truly listen, even repeat the words back to them that they've said, and then address their objections. We can learn a lot about our customers if we just take the time to listen. So listen first, pay attention to them, and then use their words back to them, telling them that you know what their pain is right? That's rule number one. Listen more and talk less. All right. Number two is uphold your reputation, right? This is, this is one of the most important ones. Proverbs again, 22 says, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and favor is better than silver or gold. Okay. The memory of the righteous is a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. Lots of Proverbs here for you guys. Now, when I'm looking at a product or service or like who I'm going to give my business to, I love giving people the benefit of the doubt. Just a fair chance, not prejudging them, not looking up maybe bad reviews online, just because most reviews are bad reviews because somebody actually took the time to do it. It's rare that people actually go on and will leave a good, positive review for a company. It's unfortunate, but that's just the world that we live in. Now, as much as I want to trust in them and give everybody a fair chance, sometimes people's reputation just it precedes them. So it can be hard to ignore if there's lots of bad reviews. But the Bible says a good name is better than riches. And this is a warning that everyone should really take, especially if we're trying to build trust. Okay, whether you like it or not, as fair or unfair as it seems, our customers are going to judge us based on our reputation, based on our reputation. Now, most people want to do business from those that obviously, again, if you've heard what we talk about, sales is all about know, like, and trust. And people want to do business with those that they know, they like, and they trust. So we got to make sure that our reputation matches that. So don't jeopardize your reputation by trying to make a quick sale or a quick buck. Know that your integrity as a business, as a human being, is more important. The biblical sales principles and what you're learning here, even as an entrepreneur, is of integrity, right? We got to keep our word and deliver on our promises every single time. All right, so that was number two. Number three is know our customer. Like, who is our ideal client? That client, that client avatar that we've heard. If we look at Matthew 22, 14, it says, many are called, but few are chosen. So I think about this stuff from a business standpoint. So similarly to that, like Jesus, while it may be okay for our marketing message to resonate with lots of people, right? Like we want to reach the masses. 
but we still need to have a system in place to narrow down our prospects, our ideal candidates. And one of the reasons as entrepreneurs, one of the reasons people struggle with selling in particular is because they're trying to sell just to anybody and everybody and ultimately probably the wrong people. Okay, sometimes you can't convince somebody of something that they just absolutely have no interest in. I can't sell women's lingerie to some, you know, guy who doesn't even have a wife, doesn't have a significant other of any sort. Like that's the wrong product for that person. So it's important for us to know who we are talking to, who we are selling our products or services to. We got to qualify that lead in that sales cycle, this whole sales process. And the easiest way for us to do that, to find the right customers, is having an effective like system, a system of sales and marketing. So how do we attract our customers? Are we targeting the right people? Are we using the right form of media to get them to raise their hand and say, yeah, I'm interested? So it certainly starts, it's, it's okay to start with like a wide net of who wants my product or my service or who, who would want it, but ultimately then we've got to narrow that thing down. So we're spending our financial dollars or our time, our marketing efforts in the right places, okay? Number four then is we got to be convicted with what we're selling. Proverbs 12, again, 12.22 says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord but those who act faithfully are his delight. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. So I know people, I'm sure all of us that have listened have been burned at some point, oftentimes from friends or even family members that sold us a lie, really, like a product or service that just didn't add up to everything. And I'm sure some of these people, if you ask them why they sold it, Will they tell you that, well, I didn't really believe in what I was selling, but I did it for the money, right? Would they tell you that? Or, or were they even deceived? Were they duped into it thinking that it was a good product or service, right? They didn't do their due diligence to figure that out. So we've got to be confident in what we're selling. Absolutely. And the best way to actually build confidence is we have to believe in what we're selling. And what, one thing I want to make sure that we don't get confused here is don't confuse your passion with your belief in what you're selling, okay? You guys have all heard me say this so many different times that you don't have to be passionate about your product or your service, okay? I'm a prime example of that. I've sold so many different things that I did not care about at all. One of the first products I ever sold was like insulation for homes. Do you think I was super passionate about saving homeowners money or uh, making homes warmer in the winter, cooler in the summer? Absolutely not. Like my passion was why I was doing it. It was to provide for my family. Now, I certainly had to seek opportunities and bring my passion with me, but every opportunity that I was seeking out, I always did the due diligence. Is, is the product good? Is it a good product? Is it a good service? And can people get value out of it? And if that all checked out, then perfect. I could sell it to anybody. But because I knew that I was convicted that this is a good product. We've heard that people don't buy what they need. They buy what they want. And a lot of people didn't know that they needed insulation. But I had to create a, a, a philosophy or a, a sales process to understand why they should want it. Okay, and that's truly part of the sales process. But number one, you got to be convicted that what you're selling is good. You have a good product, you have a good service. Because if, if you're not convicted in that, find something else. Just don't do it. Okay, because you're number one, 
you're not acting as a man or a woman of, of honor and integrity, okay? Hear me. Some of you need to hear this. If you're not convicted that you are selling a good product or a good service, stop it. Look for something else. Because it ultimately, your sales are going are, are gonna to suffer because this is only going to last for so long until money isn't everything, until you don't have enough of it. And then when you have enough of it, it reveals who we are as human beings. Again, I was a prime example of this. Money wasn't everything until I didn't have enough of it. And then it became everything to me. And then once I acquired enough of it, then it was like a magnifying glass of who was I really? Who am I really as a human being? Okay, so think about, know what you're selling and you got to be convicted about it. It has to be an opportunity that God can and will bless. All right, number five, guys, roll with me on this. When we're selling, so many people, you've heard us talk about this is, you know, we got to sell the benefits, not the features. We got to sell the transformation. So number five here is sell the transformation. Okay, Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The transformation is rest. Right? If it's just come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, and that's your message, that's your message, that's your message, why would they even want to come to you? They got to know what the transformation is. It's no, I will give you rest. Right? So take that for something like a mattress, since we're talking about rest. I could just say, get this mattress, get this mattress, get this mattress. Like, why in the world do they get this mattress? It's because you will get rest, the best rest of your you've ever had. We got to sell that transformation. Okay, and one of the most effective Biblical sales principles is this model. We got to talk about the benefits, the benefits, the benefits, so emotionally people can understand and engage with what that transformation actually is. Far too often, there's so many entrepreneurs that we just we focus on the features because we think that the features are why our product is better or worse, which is, that's probably why, because you put time to figure out which features are going to make this product better, but most people don't care. They want to know what it's going to do for them. That's it. That's all they care about. We got to focus on the benefits, right? The real reason people buy is because of that. It's the implied transformation or the improvement that they're going to receive once they make that purchase. So think about how will your product transform another person's life and make that the front center focus of your marketing and your sales strategy. All right, last one for you guys. It's pretty simple. Don't be manipulative or that pushy, annoying sales guy. Romans 16, 18 says, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. All right, understand this. This is where sales has gotten that bad rap of that slick sales guy trying to whine and dine or razzle-dazzle them, mesmerize people into a sale only to have regret down the road. We have to give our prospects, our customers, the actual freedom to say no. They got to have that ability because sometimes it just might not be the right product for them. They just might not have the ability to afford it. And this is, I know I've said this a few times that one of the best principles of all these six, but this is really truly one of them. People got to feel comfortable in that situation. And there's nothing more frustrating than, than selling something you're as a sales guy, I'm talking about than selling something you're on a, on a high only to deal with like buyer's remorse or cancellations down the road. 
We can't manipulate somebody into buying something or pressure them into buying something that they don't actually truly need. Okay, what we have to do is create an environment that gives them the ability to make the best decision for them. Nobody ever wants to be sold anything, but everybody wants to buy. Okay, nobody likes a pushy salesman. Now, I'm aware that not everybody can stand their ground when when that aggressive sales guy comes in or those sales tactics. So don't be that guy. Just absolutely don't be that guy. If you can lay your head down at night and know that you did everything you could to create an environment to take people on that journey so they knew emotionally what it would be like if they had your product, if they had your service, and if they still came to the resolution that that wasn't the best product for them, then so be it. At least you can sleep well at night. All right, so quickly, these last six guys. Number one, listen more and talk less. Uphold your reputation. Number three, know your customer. Who is that true ideal client? Four is then be convicted with whatever it is that you're selling. Okay, you don't have to be passionate about it, but you have to understand that it is a good product or a service. Number five is sell that transformation. What is the end result? What are they going to get when they experience your product or your service? And then the last one is just don't be that manipulative, pushy sales guy. So again, guys, we are all in sales. Whether you think so or not, sales is a good thing. So don't don't let your self-limiting beliefs or even other people's ways of thinking impact yours. Remember, people don't buy what they need. They buy what they want. And our job is to simply create that environment that gives them the ability to understand that they want it, or they don't for that matter. But at least we created that environment that allows them to make a decision because so often people just don't make decisions. If there's anything a salesperson actually is, we create that environment that allows people to make a decision, the wisest decision for them. All right, guys, it's been a fun one. Again, we are all in sales. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the King's Council Podcast. For more information on the King's Council and becoming the CEO of your own life, visit kingscouncilcoaching.com today. You can also follow us on Instagram at kingscouncilcoaching. We'll see you next time.